The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Viking Age podcast, the official podcast of the VikingAge.com. My name is Chris Shad. I write for Bring Me the News as well as the Viking Age Zone coverage and the Brookings Register. And we do this every Monday and Thursday night right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel. We are also on Apple and Spotify the very next day. But however you consume us, don't forget to rate, comment, share, and subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And we send the word to the masses. Now you see my guest for the show today. You've seen him on the Vikings Entertainment Network. He also has his own podcast, but he might be the only other person in America that hates Travis Kelsey as much as I do. His name is Sai what? Amundsen. What's going what on? What do you Cy? know? What are you doing? I do not hate Travis. This is this is why whenever you message me, do you want to come on my show? I take at least an hour to respond because I have to think <laughs> about dealing with your energy. I don't hate Travis Kelsey. Let's be very clear about my feelings about Travis Kelsey. I, I, a, I don't hate anybody. I don't like, I'm, I, I don't want to sound like, uh, you know, like weak, but I just, I'm not, I don't like that energy. I'm a softer boy. I like a softer energy, but I do, I do not love his white rapper vibe. That's what I would say. I don't love his, I don't like when Patrick Mahomes is doing an interview and then you hear him go, you know what I mean, dog? Like, I don't love that. But he's amazing. I would I would be so thrilled to root for him if he was the Minnesota Vikings tight end. So don't don't lump me in with your bullshit hate, Chris. I have to be honest. Part of my hatred, I'll, I'll put quotation marks around it, hated, hatred, because he is one of the best tight ends of all time. You admit he's he's currently dating or friends or whatever the hell is going on with Taylor Swift. Sure. He's on a heater right now. Let's just say he's on a heater at the moment. And sure. right now he's coming in. He's playing my favorite football team. And there's just this there's just this negative energy with Travis Kelsey. So, I mean, this podcast gives me a realm to get that out. And you know me. Yeah, like, I, like, I don't do things. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you're like a poorly behaved dog <laughs> that when the owners of the dog go to work, they put up a baby gate in the laundry room so he won't ruin the house. And then when they get home, they're like, they take the gate out and he just loses his mind. That's what you hosting this show is like. You spend your days like a laundry room bound dog. And then you get on this show and you're like, somebody removed the gate. 
Let me throw out some aggressive descriptors to start out my podcast. Hey, that 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 works. That works because this Sunday is a very aggressive matchup for the Minnesota Vikings. They are going to take sure. on the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending world champions, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and they got a win last week. The Vikings were able to beat the Panthers, but I don't know. You could sit there and you could poke holes in that win. Carolina's got a rookie quarterback that shouldn't be playing. Uh, they have a head coach who I believe is insanely overrated in Frank Reich. And they, you know, it's a case of if he keeps playing like this, you know, will Kirk Cousins take off? You know, what was the win against Carolina? What did that do for you? And are the Vikings back on track because of it? Uh, I think one of the most prominent aspects of the win for me was something that we've seen as a theme in this league for as long as I can remember, which is Bill Belichick and the assistants who have coached for him becoming head coach. Like, they thrive against rookie quarterback. Uh, Brian Flores continued that. He confused Bryce Young. I mean, the defense was awesome. They were awesome on Sunday. Uh, clearly paramount in the Vikings ability to win that game when nothing else could get going. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the team right now. Uh, you know me, I'm an overreaction person. If if we're 4 and 0, I I think we're unstoppable. If we're 1 and 3, I think we're the worst team in the league. Like I just don't handle I don't handle reacting to things well, but you know, it's it's an unusual start. In the same way that last year, when you have turnovers on this level, Chris, I think it's really difficult to assess who a team truly is. And I know that's not the most nuanced take in the world, but you know, last year we're 13 and three, we're winning all these games in all these crazy ways. And I think you have to pull a lot of the crazy moments out, a lot of the late game turnovers that helped you snake away with victories. You got to pull them out to assess who the team really is because when the rubber meets the road in important late season, regular season games or playoff games, more often than not, that is who you will truly be. And that's what we saw with the Vikings last year. So in the same way that I loved last season, it was so much fun, but the whole time uh, I felt that I just wasn't ready to commit to some idea that this team was going to go on some long magical run. I felt we were maybe a bit vulnerable in that same way. I don't look at the beginning of this season as though we are in disaster mode. Uh, you should should have beat the Buccaneers were it not for those tight ends. I mean, some of the turnovers, four turnovers inside the two-yard line, and in such outrageous fashion, Justin Jefferson fumbling through the back of the end zone, Hawkinson, uh, you know, a touchdown slipping through his hands that would have won the game. So I don't know exactly who we will be when the season's all said and done. I'm not ready to have that strong of a feeling about us. But I know we're not a one and three football team in terms of our ability and potential. You you are who you are, but those those turnovers, they're really clouding any ability to properly assess the team, right? You, you need to see them if you want to talk about where this offense is at and if it has any because the offense does feel like it has problems, but does it? Right. Because no. if they weren't turning the ball over, all of a sudden swapping out Thielen for Jordan Addison and this guy getting behind the defense. We've already seen more footballs travel 40 yards through the air than we saw what feels like almost all of last season. There's some really great things in place here. And I'd like to see a two to three game stretch where this team turns the ball over only one time total in that stretch and then think about the offense, right? And, and where we're at, because this is going to be an offensive led team. 
And the defense can do what they did against Bryce Young, but the resources are allocated on the offensive side of the ball. And if we're going to go somewhere, the offense needs to be elite. And we just don't know how close they are to that level, given what we've seen to start the season. I think the two things with the offense that are concerned are obviously Kirk Cousins, because the guy could throw for 400 yards and we'd still find a way to be like, I don't know about this guy. And then the offensive line, which has been a turnstile for most of his tenure here, but has played pretty well. Uh, in the case of Kirk Cousins, it, it's been a weird year so far. He put up big stats, three losses in the first three games. He plays terrible in Carolina, but he gets the win. Like if Kirk keeps playing the way he has over the first four games, you know, are the Vikings just going to take off by default or is this going to be something that we're just going to have to deal with throughout the rest of the year? Uh, I don't know. I, I would say football, I think often as fans and and, and media or, or whatever, you know, you consider yourself, we tend to look at football in a very simple way, right? We don't tend to approach it with the nuance that it deserves. And what I mean by that is every single NFL. The cool thing about the NFL is it's like this Russian nesting doll of competition, right? Where basketball, I love basketball, but basketball is a very fluid game. Hockey is very fluid. Football is like a competition within a competition within a competition, right? Like you, a play, a singular football play is a perfect competition. It's an offense with a goal, a defense with a goal, a definitive start point, the snap, and a definitive end point when the whistle blows. And you can win or lose that. And within that like competition, that's, that's a singular competition in the larger competition that is the drive which is a larger competition in the game in the quarter within the game. So it's like this like funny stack of of perfect competitions that all go on top of one another to give you a final result. And I only spread out that ridiculous explanation because I don't think as fans we often give enough credit to the extreme nature of every single NFL play. Like you watch quarterback with Patrick Mahomes and Kirk Cousins on Netflix? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I I loved when they were uh, calling plays, you know, zip 35, 6L, three round, you know, elephant leg. And you're like, the fuck are these guys talking? The idea that we sit around and watch football like he needs to make this. It's so much more, you know, process oriented and analytical from from a thinking and execution standpoint. What made Tom Brady great is he would see the defense. He would snap the ball. He would quickly process what they were doing and then he would make the right decision. It's not this like go out, draw it up in the dirt and be the best quarterback. So I I think when you really look at football from that standpoint and you understand what we saw Aaron Rodgers say all year last year with the Packers, which is we are very close to executing. But when one guy fucks up, we're in deep shit. And so And I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to start the conversation about Kirk and the offense in the right place, which is there's a lot of factors that go into this this offense. And at this point, when things go wrong, I don't quite know how to sort them out. Right. I don't quite have I I just I'm not I'm not ready to grab a pitchfork and run anybody out of town. I'm not ready to hoist anybody up on their shoulders. I do think we've spent money on that side of the ball, right? We gave Hawkinson a contract. We, we've spent draft capital. 
Derisaw is a first-round pick. JJ is a first-round pick. Jordan Addison is a first-round pick, right? Cleveland was a second-round pick, I believe. Brian O'Neill, was he a second-round pick? Was Brian O'Neill yes. a second-round yep. pick? Ed Ingram's a second- or third-round pick. Garrett Bradbury, first-round pick? Yes. Like, yep. the resources are on that side of the ball. Meanwhile, on the defense, you got guys like Ivan uh, Ivan Pace and the undrafted guys filling in spots over there. So my expectations for Kirk Cousins and the offense is that they excel and they aren't right now. But I've just never been good at figuring out where that blame properly goes when things are going south. You know, it's a very difficult thing to do for me. I think the thing that kind of, and, I, and I've kind of noticed this over the last couple of days. So Kirk Cousins went to the Twins playoff game. Uh, he mentioned that in his press conference. He's like, well, I don't know if I go into disguise. I don't know if I just sit there. And then he just winds up being like, all right, I'm going to be a normal dude. I'm going to buy a ticket. I'm going to sit in the crowd. I'm going to teach my son about the game. And I think all that stuff is really cool. But I also think about it this way. Kirk Cousins is very similar to a common person in Minnesota, right? It's, we saw it in quarterback. His family shops at Costco. You know, he dwells on past mistakes. You know, the interception, you know, they're celebrating a win in the locker room. And Kirk's like sitting there replaying that interception in his mind and goes up sure. to the press conference and, and, you know, gives this full-blown dichotomy of what happened during that play. It's like, you know, Jerry Burns. I'm sure you remember the old classic Jerry Burns rant where he drops all those F-bombs at the end. They ask him, hey, did you win the game? He's like, yeah, I think we won the game. Yeah, Th that's yeah. basically Kirk. And I think that Kirk Cousins is like if you put an average dude in an NFL quarterback's body and told him to go play the quarterback, like he's got all the tools, all the physical attributes, he can make all the throws and everything else. But I think because he's a normal dude, that holds him back from being this all pro badass like you see with Patrick Mahomes. Like Mahomes, you watch quarterback, that guy is wired differently. I, I date the term, it hits different, but that's the truth. Like if he makes a mistake, it's all right, next play. Like that sucked, whatever, it's over. Like Kirk, you know, th this guy has a math test framed. And he put in his office to remind him what happens when he doesn't prepare for everything. Like, I think that holds him back from being the elite quarterback that he physically can be. And I think at 36 years old, like how much, how much longer are you willing to wait for that? So, I mean, that is kind of where my hangup is at this point. And I'm not sure if you can fix it. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's, if I would call it being a regular dude, um, you know, Kirk, because he has a mentality that regular people don't have. He has an outright like anybody who watched that Netflix documentary, he, he, the normal human can't develop and possess his mentality. His mentality is a is a rare give all you have mentality that exists usually only within professional sports and elite professional working world circles. Um, you can recognize that in him. I, I would say if I identified any part. And it's, it's silly because the fuck do any of us know about the depths of preparation and playing quarterback in the NFL? But I think the thing you're trying to hit on perhaps is I he what do you always hear announcers say? Like, you know, he's wound pretty tight. You know, he's he's really he's really particular. Like Kirk Kirk's approach is one of extreme structure. Like everything is extremely structured. There's extreme reasoning. There's extreme patterns. And I think sometimes uh, on the scale of structure and fluidity, like 
I, I think some of the greats can float on that spectrum a little bit. And I think Kirk is really far down the structure side, which let's be incredibly clear, is a hell of a lot better than being really far down the fluid side, right? That's that's the Jamarcus Russell situation, right? The Johnny Manziel situation. Guys are like, well, I can just throw the ball. Like you have a guy who is detail and process oriented, and that's a pretty important thing. I think sometimes the nuance that's required in intense moments might overwhelm or come in conflict with that extreme process-oriented approach. And because I don't think he has less of a warrior mentality than Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Justin Herbert or any of these people you want to compare, you know, as, as the standard in terms of good quarterback play. I think I think sometimes those those two things just come into conflict and it can cause issues in in intense moments. Yeah. And of course. A lot of fans would sit there and they would say, well, what about the stuff around him? What about the skill weapons? We already talked about how much the Vikings have invested in on offense, but there's also the offensive line, which has been a fluid situation in its own right throughout the year. They signed Dalton Reisner out of pure panic, basically, because the first two games didn't go so well. Last week, Reisner's on the sideline. Kirk gets pressured on a league low 23.8% of his dropbacks, according to Pro Football Focus. And now you might get Garrett Bradbury back because he practiced in full on Thursday. Are you buying into this group again, or do there still need to be changes in order for this group to succeed? We we have a uh, we have all of our we like to have conversations about football in a vacuum. You know, that's what we love. Like the offense is good, but the defense is bad, right? The, you know, the quarterback is playing well, but his wide receivers suck, right? The running back is good, but his O-line can't get going. It's, you know, the salary cap has an effect on team build. And nobody wants to fucking talk about that because it doesn't make for good entertainment when people are screaming each other, screaming at each other on morning sports shows, right? When you're doing these comparisons as though... All of these conversations exist in a vacuum. General managers have a certain amount of money and they have to make choices. And for every dollar spent over here, there's a dollar cut over there. And so anywhere you look in the NFL, there's going to be holes on team, right? And, you know, usually when there aren't, if you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, right? and you look at the San Francisco 49ers, normally the way you get away with it is you have extreme production beyond resources that are allocated to a spot, generally at the quarterback position, right? When you draft Jalen Hurts, not in the first round, and he comes in and performs the way he was performing, you are getting a huge value at an extremely low price. When Brock Purdy can come in and perform at a high level, but is getting paid as the last pick in the NFL draft, you're literally like that sort of performance even a mid-tier quarterback in the NFL right now is getting $30 million. You have $30 million to spend elsewhere, and that's a pretty big fucking deal. So when you see these teams that are elite, whether it's, you know, let's say the Dallas Cowboys take a big step up this year, right? 
which they've looked unbelievable in three games and weirdly horrific against the Arizona Cardinals. But let's say this is the year they put it together. If they, if it is, if they do, it's going to be because they drafted Micah Parsons and they have one of the league's best defensive players over the past few years on a lower contract and they've been able to go out and get. Um, so I'm not suggesting that you can't have an elite roster, mostly across the board. But the reality that most teams live in is, hey, we spent a lot of money in certain places. We can't spend it elsewhere. And with the Vikings, there has been, you know, we've allocated a lot of resources towards the offense. And so I never like the conversation. I'm like, this is the one that's ruining my my football. Everybody hates this take of mine, but I don't want to talk about the defense. I want to talk about the offense. I think we've put a lot of we have an offensive head coach. We have we got TJ Hawkinson. Your free agent signing was Josh Oliver, right? Was one of your big free agent signings. There's just been a lot of effort, and I'm thrilled about putting that there. But you want to see those the places where resources are allocated. You know, you want to see them really perform well. Um, but I like when when we look at this team. So the the problem can't be all oh, the interior offensive line suck. Something sucks everywhere, with rare exception. Something sucks everywhere like the Cleveland Browns I thought going into the season would take a giant jump up and you know they lost Nick Chubb and you know uh Deshaun Watson had to sit out a game and they're still two on two two and two their defense looks incredible with Dalvin Tomlinson and Zadarius Smith over there and Jim Schwartz who's one of the best coordinators our league has seen in a long time like they are primed to take a big jump up but even with that said like they've spent money all of it their offensive line, which had been elite the last few years and, and is one of the highest paid groups in the league, is underperforming. Jedrick Wills is struggling. Jack Conklin got hurt. The interior offensive line is... is and, and so I, I look at that and I go, well, you spent all that money. It's They've got to succeed. And I don't want to hear about how the tight ends aren't doing a good enough job. Or I don't want to hear about how the linebackers... Yeah, I just I don't know. I I don't know if that's answering your question at all. But like, I I don't have time for a conversation. And that's what I love about like, I think people think that they're sports cliches when coaches go next man up. But I, I think part of that is it's the reality of the league they live in. There's a salary cap. People get hurt. People get traded. You know, I I without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I think this offense by the end of the year should and will be one of the best offenses in the league, regardless, regardless of who's on the line. And that stuff will shake itself out. If Ed Engram gets pulled out and we see Dalton Reisner, it'll be that'll be the decision that they should have made. But I, I, I don't have an easy time dumping blame on places that does, does what I'm saying make sense at all? Yeah, it. So I think I just hate the fans. argument. No, like no matter what, it's always like, well, our third string wide receiver couldn't. Well, fuck that's there's you can always find an excuse in a salary based NFL where your team doesn't have elite skill at every roster position. So I don't have a ton of time for that. 
when I do think Kirk is a good quarterback, I do think JJ is the best wide receiver in the league. I do think Jordan Addison, we're we're looking at a situation. This is going to be Diggs Thielen 2.0. We're going to have potentially the best one-two combo in the league coming up here. So there's too much talent for this team to not be elite offensively. And I feel like fans' expectation they almost wanted to go like a Madden franchise simulation. You know what I mean? You know, if you yeah. sim, if you use, let's you, let's talk about Ed Ingram. If you take Ed Ingram in the second round of the draft, if you sim the franchise five years down the road, he'll go from like a 70 overall to like an 81 overall, right? Like just linear building off of building after building off of, but really like progression is nonlinear, especially in the NFL. Some years you're going to have a guy like I think Dalton Reisner too. I think he had a ton of penalty, and don't quote me on this. I'm not exactly sure, but I think he struggled a little bit in the first couple of years. That 2020 year where there were no fans, no crowd noise, or whatever, he was terrific. And then last year, he kind of went down a little bit. Like it's a bit of a roller coaster to find a consistent player such as Justin Jefferson, or as you mentioned, Mike and Micah Parsons, who just gives you production year after year after year. That's what's difficult. And I think that's the conversation that a lot of people have with cousins at quarterback. Like every year, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to give you 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns and around 10 interceptions. Like that kind of stability, it's comfort food for a Vikings fan who has had to deal with Spurgeon win and Christian Ponder and, you know, Donovan McNabb at quarterback, like it, it's totally understandable. So when you say, hey, the salary cap kind of dictates these things, it's understandable because, yeah, it, it's like whack-a-mole. Like when Mike Zimmer was in charge, the defense was badass and the offense had a lot of pieces, but it was inconsistent. You know, maybe maybe that's kind of what you're saying. Yes, here. yes, absolutely. So looking ahead. The Vikings are hosting the Chiefs on Sunday. Kickoff is at 3.25 p.m. The Chiefs are favored by three and a half points on the road. Jim Nance and Tony Romo are on the call. And if you're Swifty just trying to learn football, Taylor Swift apparently is not going to be there. So we won't have to get hit over the head with that. Um, On the field, is there an advantage for the Vikings this Sunday against the Chiefs? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's always an advantage when you have Justin Jefferson. Always. There's there's no field that the Vikings walk onto that they won't have an advantage with Justin Jefferson. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's a tough matchup, obviously. And and even if you, the, the tough thing with the Chiefs, and we've seen this time and time again, is even if you're playing well, you can run them out of the first half. We've seen them down 21 points. We've seen them down 14 points. But if you're playing their style of football, there's no fear on their part. They're always going to come back. And so I believe, you know, the only way to really beat a team like this is to control every aspect of the game and the pace of it and get your shot at the end. And so, you know, Cam Akers showing up last week was nice. And Alexander Madison running at a higher clip was nice. I think if you can get out and you can get a little bit of a running game going and pair it with a methodical passing game, if you can put together consistent long drives, and then you just got to steal a moment or two, because you get in a game like this, if you come out of the gate, and you get a nice, big, long drive, put a seven on the board, which the offense is capable capable of. Maybe they match you. You know, you do it again. Maybe you get that lucky turnover. Maybe something happens that you can stack a couple of good possessions in a row while keeping them on the bench. 
and then you just try to control it throughout. I, I mean, it's a, it's a tough order, right? But the idea, like, I, if somebody told me that the Vikings were going to score 42 points this Sunday, in my brain, I would assume the Chiefs are scoring 48. Like, I think you have to go into it hoping that you can methodically control the clock. And the running game hasn't been necessarily strong enough to give me a lot of faith that that'll be an easy, an easy task for them. But not only is JJ like Hawkinson is such a good possession receiver and Akers is good out of the background. And there is there is an ability to march down this field in a little bit more intentional manner. I think if they're executing on a high level in a way that eats clock and controls the game, Uh, you know, we're not going to sit here and be unrealistic and think like, I think eight out of 10 times the Vikings win this game. No, but you pull out the stops, run a bunch of 12 personnel, cram it down their throat, get creative in the passing game and and hope you're in a position to do something at the end. A lot of the Chiefs losses are, you know, you watch the way the Bengals have beaten them. You know, they get home on on Patrick uh, Mahomes. They get home on him. They make him uncomfortable and they keep the score in the 20s. That's that's the goal. They really play ball control football. So. Now they have a the 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 Bengals over the last couple of years have had a hell of a front four, uh, but we'll see. I, I, the the addition of Marcus Davenport, you know, last week was it was a pretty big deal. Not just him getting that sack and those QB hits, but I think DJ Wanham probably had the best game of his career, and I I don't think that was by accident. I think adding another pass rushing force to the defense really opened things up. And if, if those guys can have another good performance this week, who knows? They might be able to pull it up. And getting home, I think, is going to be the key because a couple of weeks ago, we saw the Vikings take on Justin Herbert. They had to blitz 80% of the time because Marcus Davenport was not in the lineup. And I think they only had a pressure rate in that game around 20%. So last week, you know, that was the one thing I noticed watching the game was that number zero was in the backfield a lot. Uh, yep. He was he was creating pressures. He was creating sacks. Uh, Kevin O'Connell said after the game, Hey, we wanted to limit his snaps, but he looked so good. We kept throwing him out there. And that was the rotation that was getting DJ Wanaman. It seems like, you know, at some of the areas that might be a deficiency, kind of like we were talking about, because every team's going to have them. The Vikings want a rotation at that area and kind of just build an edge rusher, right? You have DJ Wanham coming in. You have Marcus Davenport coming in Uh, the running back position. I know a lot of people acted like a puppy was thrown under a bus when Dalvin Cook got released and Dalvin Cook. I was one of those people, Chris. Yeah, I hated it. I was one of those people. Here, what my go ahead. my philosophy with here's my philosophy though with coaches and general managers uh I give them a I give them the benefit of the doubt like I'm not smart enough to hire a head coach or a general manager like I I to presume that I would be able to make a right decision in that category you know is asinine so what I do is I start squ- like blank slate and I support them until they give me a reason not to. And to this point, these guys have given, they have not given me reasons not to. Kevin O'Connell is an incredible culture guy, right? He's an incredible schemer of offensive plays. I mean, just the way, the fact that we left last season and the Vikings were rated as the number one organization to play for, like in terms of player experience, just shows what's going on with that front office inside that building, you know? And so 
I didn't love the Delvin Cook thing, but I, you know, they've got a they've got a lot of big contracts coming up. And I but I with the running back conversation, Chris, you know, as the position has become devalued, not I'm not saying this happens in general manager's office or in coaches' eyes. But the way fans talk about it, well, they've just eliminated the gap in talent as well. They go, well, running backs aren't as important as they used to be, so just get some. It's like, no, even if that's true, even if modern football has devalued the position in terms of what you want to spend on it, the gap from a Delvin Cook to a backup, it's a large gap. Delvin Cook is a very, very, very good football, right? And so that was my only instinct. I I didn't think their running game struggled last year because of Dalvin Cook. I mean, what the hell do I know? But I thought Dalvin Cook several times last year made game-changing plays on offense when the team needed him the most. So it was a it was obviously a necessary move. I I still think it was a hard one. Um and I think we saw that through the first few games. But I'm really hopeful for this Cam Akers thing, man. I'm really hopeful that he and Madison together can present the sort of threat that elevates both of them. I'm not out here trying to call for Madison's job like a lot of people are. I think the hope here should be that those two form a duo that allows them to elevate one another and elevate the rushing game as a whole. And I and I actually wrote about that at Zone Coverage where I just said two Alexander Madisons are better than one, right? Because you yep. look at the two running backs, they're pretty similar. And I think that's what the Vikings were trying to do this offseason where, you know, you let go of Dalvin Cook, you keep Alexander Madison, He's your RB1, so to speak. You draft Dwayne McBride. You hope he's Isaiah Pacheco, which, oh, seventh round running back. Oh, places. Oh, Jonathan Taylor, what are you doing? Um, Anyway, like they wanted this committee from day one. They wanted Alexander Madison and Dwayne McBride to form that. McBride didn't turn out. Ty Chandler didn't get it. And they go ahead and they trade acres. I thought he looked great last week. I thought there was a lot of room for him to run. I thought he looked explosive. And really, if he doesn't become that de facto RB1, I still think the running game could be effective. And that's what Kevin O'Connell wants. He wants five, six-yard runs. And I, I'm not sure either of them can break off a 70-yard run like Dalvin Cook could at times last year. To your mm-hmm. credit, the Buffalo game, there was a big run that swayed the game. The Miami game, there was a big run. Indianapolis, the screen that kind of led that comeback. I think it's about what, what game was that where he caught the touchdown in the back corner of the end zone over the top of his shoulders? Oh, was that shit. New England? I can't remember which game it was, but it was it was a crucial. It might have been Giants or Jets. It was a crucial, crucial moment that saved a game. Yeah, he's a very good and, football player. Yeah, and I mean, I think he's at the end of the road. He's not really doing too much with the Jets, which Jets are kind of a dumpster fire anyway because they. Hired Aaron Rodgers' friend as the offensive coordinator. Um, but I think on Sunday, one of the other things outside of the running Daniel game. Daniel Hackett just catching strays in a Delvin <laughs> Cook conversation. Well, and I mean, it's not like he's nothing easy. I mean, I, I you watch Hard Knocks, right? Uh-huh. Like when they when they talk, I mean, I made it one episode. I'm like, yeah, this is too much Aaron Rodgers for me, whatever. But I mean, they're interviewing Aaron Rodgers and they're like, oh, what do you like about Nathaniel Hackett? Well, well, he has cool PowerPoint presentations and he quotes Goldmember. And I think they're funny and like, like he's probably just high on ayahuasca in the back. Like, this is amazing. This is incredible. Look at this Goldmember guy. I think he's hilarious. Like, I, I don't know. And then 
you know, you talk to Hackett himself and he's like, yeah, yeah, everything's really good. And we're, we're all going to be happy. And when we're, where we were three and 10 or whatever the hell we were as head coaches, the Broncos. And yeah, like everything's just fine. Like they're all just sedated on ayahuasca or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be within a hundred miles of that conversation, <laughs> but to, to bring it back on point, I do. I am very hopeful for the cam makers thing. I, and I, I think all of us should be after what we saw last week against the, the Panthers. But to your point, it's like, you know, now you get a chance to do it against the biggest the biggest threat in the league, right? So a, a lot of the stuff that, you know, we walk away from a win against Carolina, a lot of the stuff, as my dog goes insane in the background, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that we will be doing moving, like, you know, in, in this game against the Chiefs will either negate or validate what we saw last, last Sunday, I think. The other thing about this matchup, that's kind of fun to me is there's a lot of things outside of the sidelines that are going on. Um, Jim Nance and Tony Romo are in the booth that spells doom for Vikings fans. Uh, Bring me the news actually had an article this week that said the Vikings have been outscored 171 to 69 in their last six games with Nance in the booth. Last win with Nance came when they beat the Steelers in London in 2013, which in some way, that's kind of what this season is reminding me of because I don't know. It just feels like maybe there needs to be a change. Um, is there something to outside broadcaster? Just like mainly a coincidence. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I would guess it's a coincidence. I'm not here to talk about, you know, hexes and curses, but I, it's, I would guess what that is related to is whenever the Vikings are an NFC team, so they play on Fox primarily. And so when they are playing on CBS and they draw Nance and Romo, they are drawing the premier game of the week. So if the Vikings are playing an AFC team and drawing the premier game of the week, they are probably facing high-level competition. And I would guess they just have had a bad string of games. You know, you get your ass kicked against a few. Uh, I'd be curious. This isn't an AFC team, but I would bet that Cowboys, that Cowboys Vikings game last year, I would bet that was a, that might've been a Jim Nance game. You know, mm-hmm. was our Christmas massacre against the, against the Saints? Was that a Jim Nance game? Like you, you look at it, it takes a couple of those, those games where you get the living shit kicked out of you to really, to really skew that one direction or another. So I, I wouldn't look too deeply into it. Let's get to predictions here because I think there's a lot okay. going on. Um, what do you think? Can the Vikings pull this off? Because like I said, outside of Nance and Romo and whatever Joe Boo thing you want to talk about there, there's mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of Chiefs fans at this game. It's an easy drive up I-35. Yep. It's the first yep. time that Highway the Chiefs game. have played up here. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think? Do the Vikings have a um, shot on Sunday? I think I'm going to, can I give you a final score prediction? Yeah, exactly. We love it. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Chiefs. I think it's going to be, su- they're going to surprisingly be held low. I think it's going to be Chiefs 14 Vikings 138. Uh, I don't know. I hate predictions. I'm terrible at them. Uh, I, what I want to see is mistake-free football. Like I I can more tell you what I want. What I want to see is I want to see mistake-free football and I want this team to be in a position to compete in the fourth quarter. If they play, if they execute, they play good football and they're in a position 
to compete in the fourth quarter and win the game in the fourth quarter. That's all you can ask for when you're playing against the best teams in the NFL, right? So you can go a long way to dismiss all the negativity from the first three games by getting a win right here, right? If mm-hmm. if they get this win here and then you go and you get the, the, the Bears and you can get a win there, if somebody before the season would have said, hey, you can be four and two, but your losses would be Chiefs and Eagles, or you can be three and three, but one of your wins is a victory over the Chiefs, full strength, Mahomes, everybody, over the Chiefs. Which do you pick? Now, I think you always pick the extra win because all that matters in the NFL are wins. But a win over the Chiefs is indicative of ability and, you know, to compete with the highest teams in the league. And, and we should have beat. The, I don't know that we should have beat. But we certainly should have been there in the final moments against the Eagles. And so you you take that. These are two teams that were in the Super Bowl. You know, they continue to be in the Super Bowl. Like, they are prohibitive favorites this year along with the Niners and and the Bills. So a win here really does a lot to dispel a lot of the concern if you can use it to propel yourself forward. So go out, play mistake-free football, and at least give your chance to your, your team a chance to pull something up. So you never fucking know, right? You get that drive and you're up five with a minute and a half to, to play. All it takes is one DJ Wanham deflection into the air, one ball that slips through a wide receiver's hands, one botch snap, and all of a sudden you're on the other side of the bullshit that you dealt with in the first three games. Mistake-free football control the clock and have a chance in the fourth quarter. That's I'm not predicting that. That's what I want. That's what I think gives this team their best chance to put their season right back on a good. Let's wrap up with this. What do you got going on at VN and the Cy Amundsen show? Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go one very, I'm going to give you a different podcast. I'm again, this year I'm doing the Vikings tailgate for the team. Uh, And it was a show that we started last year that I fucking love. It's the, it's so great that the team let me do it. Essentially, what I do is each week, the idea last year was to go out and get a stand-up comedian who's been a longtime friend of mine, who's a diehard of the other team. And then we just preview the game. Less, less of this, Chris, where it's this is X's and O's, this is football questions. That show is more, let's talk about the team, let's talk about being NFL fans. You know, And this year, the guests have been bonkers. Burt Kreischer was the opening guest of the season, told us a great, you know, told us some great stories about being uh, a Bucks fan, about performing a corporate for the Minnesota Vikings back when Mike Tice was the head coach. Uh, And then Josh Dumel was on an episode. And then a lot of my, you know, a lot of my close friends, Blake Wexler, who's an Eagles fan, was on one again, Brian Miller, very funny comedian, uh, Chris Schlichting for the Chiefs. And we've got some unbelievable guests moving forward, like some really big names down the stretch. So if you search the Vikings tailgate on any of your podcast app, that's all I care about. Subscribe to that one. If you like the team, listen to that one. It's a it's a fun listen in the midst of everybody breaking down the X's and O's. Well, Cy, we definitely appreciate, uh, appreciate your time today on the Viking 8. Yeah, I know. Really, I know. That is really strong start, strong finish. <laughs> that's that's the way the Vikings have to play to beat the Chiefs on Sunday. But it's all the time we, gotta, we got. We need an we need an anti-Chris Shad performance on Sunday. <laughs> Instead of being good in the middle, we need you to be excellent at the start and the beginning. 
Let's let's unshad it and let's get ourselves a victory. Let let's land the plane here because we do this every Monday and Thursday night right here on the Viking Age YouTube channel, but we're also on Apple and Spotify the very next day. Don't forget to rate, comment, share, and subscribe so you never miss a new episode so we can spread the word to the masses. My name is Chris Shad for Cy Amundsen. We will talk to you next time on the Viking Age Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.